All right. Good morning. Welcome to the 89th installment of the Play and Win podcast series. Uh, Tony Huge joins me today. What is up, my friend? Whoa, Rich Cooper in the flesh there. Well, good to see you. Good to talk to you on a podcast for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I've seen quite a few of your videos over the past few years. Uh, love the conversations that you've had. You're clearly very knowledgeable on the topics that you discuss, which is usually around uh, bodybuilding, biohacking, peptides, uh, performance enhancing drugs, all that good stuff. You live in Thailand. Um, so what time is it over there? It's got to be late at night. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Cool. So uh, we'll probably chop it up for a good hour, hour and a half. Uh, I also want to get on the topic of uh, pass passport bros with the show as well. You know, the geo relocation trend that guys have been, uh, you know, ripping the last few years. And I think uh, Tony's a good guy to talk to about that because I've seen some videos where you've been pretty open about your relationships and your dating over there. It seems like you kind of run a bit of a harem or you have in the past. I don't know if you still do that today. That's right. Yeah, right. I do. Very, very challenging uh sit try thing to try to do with women you know women women by nature don't they they don't like to compete with each other and they get really jealous so to try to overcome that is one of life's greatest puzzles to me for me and i and i've done i've made a lot of progress all right yeah i i, I definitely want to get into that topic maybe we'll maybe we'll kick off with that and we'll get into the uh biohacking stuff um after that because i know a lot of guys that watch my channel are super interested in that and it's and it's real funny you know i did a a video, I don't know, it was the last month or so, and I mentioned passport bros in passing. And I think for the most part, have you ever heard that term before, by the way? Yes, absolutely. And okay. actually, if you could give me like the quickest definition, I think it's kind of like a red pill thing where you kind of escape to a place where women treat you better or money goes further. Are those the two elements? That seems to be the underlying notion is that Western women aren't the greatest. Uh, they don't treat you very well. Western culture, tax rates, all that sort of stuff are kind of abusive. So um, I think a lot of guys that don't do well in the West tend to uh, relocate to greener pastures, you know, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And I think that they'll end up doing better somewhere in Latin America, Eastern Europe, Asia, you know, for example. Um, did you go anywhere else when you were sort of moving around and trying to settle somewhere? Did you try out Latin America? Did you try Eastern Europe before you went? To yeah, well, I traveled all over the world. Um, I didn't uh, Eastern Europe. I didn't try, I guess I just, I went to England and Italy. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of Europe, but those aren't places to go for women. Those are terrible places to go mm -hmm. for, for women. You might as well be in America, but so I didn't try these like Russian Ukrainian countries. I've heard such good things about or, or yeah. Poland or something. And, yeah, but um, I did try South. I did check out yeah. South America and different Asian countries. And after traveling all around, Thailand was the best for me. But I had some backup plan ideas. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I, I figured that you'd be a great guy to have this conversation with because every time I mention anything around Passport Bros, I'll always get DMs and emails from people like, "I'm the real Passport Bro. You need to interview me." And I'll click a link, and it goes to like some YouTube channel where they're like telling guys how to be Passport Bros, but they're mostly dorks. Um, so. I think this isn't your main scope of understanding, but it's a big part of your life and why you're in Thailand beyond, you know, easy access to PEDs and better weather and nice beaches and all that cool stuff. Um, so you settled on Asia. Uh, why Thailand out of Asia? Like what, what brought you there? Well, now I would choose Thailand for one reason, because weed is legal here, which it isn't in any of the other Asian countries. But even before it was legalized, I still chose Thailand because it had 
I'd say more freedom and your money goes further and the way the women treat you. I mean, but the thing is you can get the, the way the women treat you in Philippines is, is perhaps even better. Uh, so if, if it was just for women, I would have probably chosen Philippines. Yeah. Yeah. For women, I would choose Philippines. So I, that's where that, that beats Thailand. Um, but Philippines doesn't have the infrastructure, the technology, the access to high quality consumer goods. So if I want to keep working or being productive and I want fast internet mm -hmm. and I want good technology, uh, and, and in Thailand, everything is just so convenient. Like I, I, I've been some countries where, you know, you've got to find a pharmacy and good luck. You're going to spend half a day looking for the right pharmacy or you want good food. Just going to spend an hour looking for good food. And in Thailand, it's like you walk down the street and you've got pharmacy, good food, short time hotel, massage, girls to meet, uh, interesting foreigners from all over the world. So it's got pretty much everything that you could want in Thailand, you know? How long have you been there now? Three and a half years. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I remember some of the earlier videos over the last couple of years, and I don't think you have those up on a channel anymore. You lost those channels? A lot of channels got deleted. Yeah, okay. I've so, been censored so many times, you know, deplatformed. Donald Trump, same thing <laughs> happened to Donald Trump, Andrew Tate, all that started happening to me you know, six years ago. Okay. Yeah, it's weird because some people were highly targeted on YouTube and others, they just sort of didn't really bother. I mean, I, I'm not sure if I sort of slipped under the radar just because I don't really dive into certain topics in a certain way or I, I use certain language like that avoids problems, you know, sort of stuff. What do you think it, it, it has a lot to do with how much you sensationalize it so yeah. you are speaking very intelligently and and calm and you're not like flashing crazy things on the screen the issue that the the government and the entities that sought to censor me uh had was that i was i was flashing the cars like the you know exotic cars and and bodybuilder body and lifestyle and girls and then a lot of young men were following me and these enemies of freedom felt that I was a, a, a big enough threat to influence them based on the imagery, not just what I was saying, what mm. I was saying, plus the imagery. So that's what happens with Andrew Tate. Also why he's censored is because he's showing he, in the enemies of freedom's mind, they're saying this is a danger because this is someone who could really go viral and like influence young minds and and lead them in a direction that is not beneficial to the matrix yeah, yeah big um, you know big strong men that have uh you know an abundance of choices with women are a big threat now aren't they yeah, yeah <laughs> isn't that interesting yeah. huh you know that used to be celebrated decades ago uh mm -hmm. you know, if you're a playboy then um you know they they sort of held you up on a pedestal today it's now you still kind of get some level of respect out of it but at the same time they're um they don't want a strong, masculine, independent, uh, free-thinking culture, do they? Yeah, the government doesn't want that. The large corporations don't want that, and the public, you know, these these non-player characters um, that instead of improving their own life, they they try to decrease the quality of other people's lives to make mm -hmm. theirs better. Like the men that are like that, they don't want to feel jealous seeing another man be successful at these things. And then the women don't want it because it makes them feel like they're lower value and mm. that they have less power. So that's what the battle in the West is about is, is like women taking advantage of this 
moment and simping men taking advantage of this to mm. like build up women into something that they're not like a complete illusion. So um, how is Thai politics and Thai culture different than like Western countries? Um, before you answer that, though, so I don't forget, uh, Tony's newest YouTube channel is linked in the title of this video. So if you guys want to go uh, check out his new stuff, subscribe to his channel. But go ahead. So cultural differences and, and political differences. Well, the politics in Thailand is that you have a, a king, but we'll say like a royal family that owns everything. It's one of the most powerful families in the world. People don't realize how powerful the family is. Mm -hmm. And they own and control pretty much everything. And they make money off of everything. And if if it doesn't, doesn't benefit them, then it doesn't really happen. If it does benefit them, then it gets really expedited. So it's kind of weird, like a family owns the country. or the And it's not just a family, but the family's friends. And it trickles down. Like the closer you are related to the royal family, the more you uh, get, you know, royal treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you also, then you have like the, the very lower society that's kind of, uh, uh, <clears throat> groomed to be the servant class. Um, so you have, which is the case in all of these countries that there's a huge disparity between of wealth between the wealthy and the, and the working class. So you, you have like this huge working class that makes very low wages, and the wonderful thing about that is you can actually hire services like massage, get your nails done, you know, labor for very, very cheap. Um, so that that's that's a and that that there's a lot of like economic benefits to that to the country too. And in America, you know, it's like like hiring a nanny, for example, is just it's just crazy expensive. But hiring a nanny and raising children in Thailand is is super cheap. Mm. And I'm in the child raising phase of my life also so like that's a huge savings to have my children grow up here mm. so that's the politics um the the laws are you know the laws are kind of similar around the world i guess one of the big differences is um you know you're guilty until proven innocent or innocent until proven guilty type mm. thing but even in america now it used to be supposedly innocent until proven guilty but now the way that the media works with the law enforcement and they do press releases and you're pretty much guilty and your life's destroyed as soon as the government decides so. So mm. it's really, in the end, not that different. We don't have that much freedom. If the government doesn't like you, they can destroy you here. They can destroy you in America. In America, you have the freedom of speech, sort of, because you get censored so much. In Thailand, you don't really have a freedom of speech you're not supposed to publicly say bad things about people in general, like defamation is qu a quasi crime. Mm -hmm. And uh, you certainly can't say anything negative about the Royal family. Um, and, and I think that the politics of Thailand worked extremely well for Thailand in the past. If you have a benevolent dictator, that's probably the best government that you could have. Mm. And so, yes, of course, like government's number one priority in any country is to protect the wealth of their friends. That's above all else. Um, so that's that's inherent in every government. Um, but you know, when the leader, the previous leader, was very loving to the people and wanted to really help the people, you know, he brought a lot of tourism. He allowed a lot of freedom. He built the infrastructure here that other countries in Asia didn't have. Uh, so it, it was a really 
I think 10, 15 years ago, especially Thailand was probably the best place on the planet. Like no question in my, by my standards. Uh, but now, you know, the quality of life in Thailand has dropped a lot. Uh, some say it's increased because it's got better access to consumer goods and technology, mm -hmm. but from what the potential it could be based on those technological advances, it, it should be better. But unfortunately, you know, Thailand, just like most countries are kind of bowing to this globalist um, surveillance nanny state so that that is happening, but it's just way slower. Like China's you, North Korea are leading that America's, you know, going to try to follow. And then these other countries are, step behind yeah i was wondering like are you starting to see the adoption of like the woke uh inclusivity sort of alphabet uh rainbow flag culture there yet no not that that part isn't here no not, you know they have lady boys here yeah somebody was asking boys, in the comments ask you about the lady boys i'm not sure what they want to know but yeah no lady boys are amazing here they they're they're men that want to be women they dress like women. They act like women. They act like women better than women act like women in America. Mm -hmm. Like you, um, an American man can come from <laughs> America and then come to Thailand and see this like beautiful creature that's like a 10 out of 10 but and knows exactly how to treat him sexually and psychologically. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've been seduced by plenty of ladyboy and even tricked. And I, I welcome them. If they're so good that they can be more beautiful than a woman and seduce me better than a woman, I'm okay getting tricked. And and I get a lot of criticism for saying that, of course. That's interesting. So I think it's the opposite of gay. I think what's gay is being with an American woman who acts more masculine than a man and uh, versus like a Thailand lady boy who's super feminine and, and acts the femininity even more than an American woman. Okay, I mean, like I could see why somebody would criticize you for that. So, um, and and they don't care about they don't care about like their labels or their right. They'll use the women's bathroom, mm -hmm. and they look like women and they act like women, and the women don't care at all because the women see the lady boys as them mm. because they they are acting exactly like they're friends with them, and and lady boys also because they have a little bit of the male brain, they're smarter and they were better at business and they're also more logical, so There's... they're able to like work with women and lead women and let women follow them and listen to them. But they're also able to like, like, you know, be the liaison between women and logic. That's interesting. Um, there's apparently some level of sex tourism, uh, that goes on because there's a demographic of lady boys in Thailand. I think it's mostly Germans that are known for wanting to visit and hang with these dudes. Is that like, what is that avatar about? Well, I, I have been really shocked by the amount of masculine, successful businessmen that love to take it in the ass by ladyboys. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 still surprises me. I don't feel anything gross about it. I'm just like, wow, really? Like, okay. <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah, there's actually a book out there if you guys want to uh, learn a little bit more about the underground world of human degeneracy. It's called A Billion Wicked Thoughts, uh, and it talks um, about elements of that that that, that guys uh, have fetishes around. Um, oh, so can I? Okay, I all wanted to figure out what some of my fetishes are because I'm 40 years old. And I go through life and then I figure out, oh, this is a fetish. God, I wish I knew I would have liked this 20 years ago. And, you know, learning by trial and error means I got to go through a lot of stuff I also don't end up liking. Mm -hmm. I would I would love to have like a checklist of different fetishes 
Is that what you're talking? Is that like this book or would give me that checklist? I could try. No, I wouldn't say that it's a checklist. It's more of a dive into research and study on human uh, use of the internet and search habits Mm -hmm. on Google and porn sites and stuff like that to see what fetishes come up. So if you want to, if you want to dive into stuff that maybe you haven't touched on, uh, you might be surprised and find something in there, but it's but it's a pretty uh, interesting read. If I'm not okay, what do you call it? Because it does. Uh, sound it's like called a billion a billion wicked thoughts. Okay. Um, I got a dude here in the comment that's saying I respect Tony's honesty. Can you ask him why he left regular girls in California when he was a? Lo- I didn't know that you were a lawyer. Oh yeah, I was okay. a big time lawyer. I had a huge law office with twenty three employees, four lawyers working for me. I mean, I was running the business of a of my of my own law firm and uh i was handling you know really advanced cases i was the youngest certified business reorganization specialist in california mm-hmm. i mean i was all in as a lawyer and uh, then i did a complete 180 and re- sold my law firm retired from law after i discovered asia so that was my wake-up call i went how to asia and i was that? like oh my god hmm? how old were you when you did that when you left california and gave up law I guess I officially sold the law office around age 33, so maybe seven years ago. I'm 40, and I I started traveling the world more when I was 30, uh-huh. so 10 years ago, and then that's when the first time I went to Asia and it opened up my mind. Because in Sacramento, I was a, a big fish in a little pond, Okay. and I, I had a huge ego about it. I was a completely different person, by the way. Like yeah. My Amer- American Anthony Hughes is my lawyer name. Tony mm-hmm. Hughes is my my fitness persona, uh, Dr. Tony Huge. So yeah. back then I was super conservative. You're yeah. not a doctor though, are you? Like an actual licensed doctor? Like that's No, it's persona. like doctor okay. of law, but because I'm obsessed with biohacking and chemistry and everybody always used me as a, a okay. resource for, for like medical, quasi-medical advice, they called me Yeah, it's interesting because like law, in my opinion, in North America is kind of a shit career. Like my ex-wife is a lawyer. Um, I've got lots of friends that still practice law. Um, I have a, a business that I'm a partner in where I'm partnered with a lawyer. I know a lot of lawyers, right? And it's like um, they work ridiculous hours uh, to climb the, like this invisible corporate ladder to become, you know, to start from an associate, to become a, a partner and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, to me, it looks like you're selling your soul. Like, is that what you discovered when you got to around 30, 33 with your law practice in your business? Well, I, and I still miss the puzzle, you know, the mental challenge of being a lawyer because my cases were extremely challenging. And, but what I didn't like was the, I guess I liked being a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the politics of being a lawyer and I didn't like the business of law mm. because in a, in California, I mean, it's one of the worst places in the world you could probably have employees and yeah. one of the worst places to run a business in the world. Like you're getting hit with taxes constantly. You're getting hit with lawsuits constantly. I don't know how businesses survive in California. Well, they do. They don't make a lot and they deal with, uh, you know, just nightmare after nightmare. It's, it's just a rough place to do business. Actually, when I went back after the, after the pandemic, and and visited i noticed that a lot of the small businesses are totally wiped out and replaced with with large franchise chains really taking okay. over everything i mean i don't know if you noticed the trend what state yeah. are you in by the way i'm in canada so i'm in toronto oh okay yeah i don't, I don't know. I have no idea what it's 
what it would be like there in comparison. But like in Sacramento, you had a lot of small businesses that were barely hanging on because the government just uh, really makes it a hostile environment for small business owners and culturally too. Like employees like hate their bosses and stuff. It's weird. It's like an yeah. entitlement thing. It's like it's like um, it's like a communism type thing where the the lower the working class uh, resents the class above them, but they're not directing their 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 discontent towards the actual problem which is the class like way way above them that's making the problems that's so like the small businesses are the yeah. small businesses are the lifeline of any of yeah. of society as we knew it in the last era and the more small businesses the better and then when these large corporations take over and they completely dehumanize everything and you have you're forced to live inside this matrix of like you said working up the corporate ladder so that's what's happening more and more in California. Everything's going to be controlled by mega corporations. Mm. So I, I saw that. I mean, I went away and then I came back and I saw it made a huge leap forward towards it. Well, I mean, the perfect example is during the pandemic, all the small businesses had to shut down, but like the large corporations were allowed to stay open. Yeah. So you want your Amazon shit? No problem. We got recover. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about family law since you practice law and you're familiar with the North, North American system. <laughs> Um, how is, how does family law in the state in Thailand, uh, treat men versus like North America? Well, I've never heard of anything like child support in Thailand. I don't know if it exists. Um, you know, well, when you're married and there's one very interesting fact that I learned, uh, a very interesting way is that in Thailand, if you're married, there's not, uh, so much of a thing of a domestic abuse like like to some extent a husband and wife can abuse each other mm. which oftentimes results in the woman abusing the man too like i mean if it's like the woman you know the woman is going to be the emotional one that's going to start a fight usually yeah and then the man in america a man gets blamed for the fight the woman starts the fight the man defends himself the man goes to jail but in thailand it's like okay the woman starts the fight yeah she gets jealous she found out you're with another girl she starts attacking you and you just kind of like restrain her and the police are like yeah of course that's normal that that happens all the time like this is a normal relationship between man and woman you got married so that you're telling the government like we are going to stay together forever we're going to work out through our differences and there might be some violence involved which probably through the entire history of man there was probably some small level of violence at least in most relationships mm. uh, going both directions you know like it's a form of communication and so bonding. Uh, so what about alimony like does that exist in thailand or is that just a north american thing i haven't i haven't seen or heard of it um yeah, I, I just, I just, it's never even come up as like a, a thing. Mm. I, don't, I don't know how it works, but it's never like in America. I mean, every friend I have who's ever been married and divorced has an absolute horror story of how their life was ruined. Mm. And I've just never heard of anything like that in Thailand, not even once. Okay. Um, you, so I've, so I've seen some older videos where you would talk with, you know, a couple of gals in some case, you know, more than a couple that you were seeing, you were dating, you're having threesomes and, and stuff like that. Um, do you still do that? Like you still run a harem? You mentioned you've got some kids now. Yep. Yep. I've got, yep. I've got a couple kids with different moms, both Filipina living in Thailand. So okay. I brought them to Thailand. Well, one's an American citizen. And aside from that, I have like a bunch of Thai girlfriends and I'm just always like swapping one out 
for another one trying to just find who's compatible with each other or who, you know, is on board with my goals of my life at the time. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it deserves its own reality show for sure, because I've never seen or heard of anything like it before. And I've never like on TV. I mean, you, you have the Utah Mormon reality show where the guy's got mm-hmm. the four wives or something. Yeah. And, but, He's usually but a those geek, though, right? Like he doesn't look anything like Tony huge. Yeah. It doesn't look cool. Like I don't want to, that doesn't look appealing to me. In fact, I think they're almost trying to make it look unappealing. Like there's a, yeah, it seems that way. There's like a under message of like, actually, you know, this lifestyle sucks, mm-hmm. but, but mine is awesome. Um, because I do it to be awesome. Not, it's not a religious or thing or anything. I just, I just, uh, well, I guess it started when I was in America, I had, a different girlfriend for every day of the week, but you know, some are single moms, which I know is on your, your stay away from list or your red, your red yeah. light list. Yeah. Thumbs down. Long-term so basis was, is a thumbs down on single moms. So you were, you were telling your audience to stay away from the single moms and I was scooping them up and putting them in my harem where, you know, at least they had a home. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's easy. You know, it's low hanging fruit. Um, yeah. so talk about harem and how you run it because I mean, you're clearly, uh, non, monogamous you've got a couple of filipinos uh that are moms to your kids you have two kids or yeah two kids and okay. i'll I'll have more also in thailand yeah is, is a strategy to have as many kids as you can with as many women or well every kid is is also a huge cost and and liability and something i have to worry about i have to worry about the mom because you know the mom's never just going to give me the child um so i have to worry about like what's the mom's future going to be like is she going to be a good person in five or ten years that i want to be the mom of my child is she going to be a financial burden uh so yeah there's still a lot of consideration i'm definitely not just trying to get just anybody pregnant and and create a lot of liability for myself emotionally and financially mm-hmm. uh it's I, it's more like i i would my perfect situation would be to have all of my children live in one house with like four children four moms and they're all friends and they all hang out together and they all satisfy their own female emotional needs and they're they work on projects together. They take care of the children together. You know, one woman can watch the children while the other one goes on a date night with me or, you know, like this, it's like, it just seems almost like I can't imagine a more efficient way to run to, to satisfy everybody's needs. Like mm-hmm. the women need other women to talk to. They love women like to talk mm-hmm. and, and men don't like to talk as much as women. So like they need to be able to talk to each other a lot. Um, better to be talking to each other in the, you know, in the household than going out and talking, you know, going out to the random people that aren't, you know, as trustworthy or something mm-hmm. and then build more long-term female relationships with each other. And then also with the children, uh, you know, I, I think in America, it's really unnatural to have like a, a you have a mom and a dad and a kid and they're kind of isolated and they watch TV and they're isolated from the community. And, you know, you have to actually work hard in America to be part of a community. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have to go, like, go to church and you need to like go out and do activities with other children. Like it's a lot of work. Whereas you could just have all of this in one household mm. and and everybody's needs satisfied. And then my need of having more than one woman is is satisfied. And it's also convenient because when I had all these different girlfriends, it's a little bit like before, it's like running around to different girls and it's time consuming and energetic. And uh, I mean, it takes a lot of energy. 
and it's uh when you when you have them together and you just decide okay i want to go with this one or want to go with that one and also i i uh, the other thing is like i i women i will give you lots of attention also and i want mm -hmm. more of this type of relationship but then when you give me drama and stuff i'm literally going to walk to walk across the room to the other girl and give her attention and show you because of her good behavior she's getting attention and you're not getting attention and then i'll explain it later and it's not a punishment type of thing it's like a training thing and then when i'm training them i'm training them all together mm -hmm. instead of having to train one girl and then like someday you lose her and they're like oh my god all this training i've trained this woman for years and now it was a huge waste of time like i'm training them all together and it's just more a lot more efficient um what sort of ch challenges do you experience dealing with like do the multiple women live in the same house with you like do they all live with you yeah it's, it's, it's always it's always different but usually usually they'll have their own place um just as like a backup if if uh they so they don't feel trapped mm. i guess i guess the main really important part of what i do is make sure the women never feel trapped whatsoever mm. because i don't like in my mind if i feel like they're trapped then i lose i i don't know i lose attraction for them i mean i guess a lot some men like to want to control the woman and and trap her but mine's the opposite i want to feel like uh i'm I, they're attracted to the honey, you know, not afraid of the stick. Mm -hmm. So I want them, I want to feel like they really want to be here. And, and that gives me, that gives me the power that I like also, which is that um, they come to me and if I'm doing, and, it, and, it, and it, it motivates me to be really good too, because then I want to treat them good because I want them to stay. I want to build the resources up so they want to stay. I want to create a good environment for them so they want to stay. Mm -hmm. um, but then I also want them to go back to their condo and once in a while and see what it's like to be without me so they can appreciate me more. I really just want to be appreciated and respected. And I've just found this way of doing it to the way that I get the most amount of appreciation and respect. Like when would I would you see, rather be appreciated and respected than loved? Like what would be more important to you? I don't the the love definition is really confusing to me. And I and I and I like talking about it and exploring mm. it. But, you know, to women, love is something very different than it is to men. And then it's different between people. Um, I guess I guess one of the ways I feel loved by like my main girl right now is I feel like we could like deal with anything with each other and she's not going to leave mm -hmm. because she she's like in her mind, she sees herself with me forever. Is there and a hierarchy like 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 there's your top girl and there's like number two and three? Like, how does it work? Or are they all treated the same? Yeah, there there always has to be a hierarchy. That's one thing I learned about women. If mm. there's if there's not a hierarchy, then they will end up in battle with each other, battling for the hierarchy. Like they will create a war to determine the hierarchy if you don't lay down the hierarchy. Mm. hierarchy That's interesting. Is very important. Yeah, I've, I've I've had conversations and I have um, you know, I do some private consults and stuff like that and I've dealt with some pretty interesting people like athletes and actors and uh, you know, BC guys that you would know if I mention the names and I was talking to this one guy once and he had uh I think three or four kids with uh two or three different women and you know I was asking my so how do they all get along like do the women actually like each other and he said no they fucking hate each other um <laughs> I'm assuming you probably deal with it or or have dealt with something similar as well how do you deal with the you know the female drama you know between women because 
you know, I've often mm. said, uh, you know, having having multiple women and multiple girlfriends can be a bit of a pain in the ass if if they you know become that that dramatic. Like women are women at the end of the day. Like intimacy mm-hmm. with a woman is pretty much the same. Like you know, with small variations. But then it's like, what are you de- dealing with when you're not being intimate? And you don't have the variety, and it's now there's a variety of conflict and fights between them and all that sort of stuff. Like, how do you like? What's your thoughts on that sort of stuff? Now, there's a great example of of this when I was. Uh, in Thailand and I had two girlfriends living with me full time and it was like the best relationship situation of my life. It was threesomes twice a day, always together. I could go with one or the other at any time. I didn't have to have them both together, but I just really liked having them together every time. And then they're work together. And then, wow, there's sometimes where one would be massaging me and one would be cooking for me. And I'd just be like, oh my God, this is... This is just my paradise. This is so perfect. And they were such, they were, they worked together so well. I'm waiting for the butt. but, but okay. I had cameras installed in my, in my condo too. So I actually watched this whole thing happen. I'm, I left to America for, I well, I traveled around the world, but I, I went to America and then I traveled around the world and then I came back and uh, they're fighting and they're fighting because, well, in the end, it's because they both are different style people and they weren't really compatible. But because I was there and I'm the leader, it's kind of like going to a job. And, you know, when you have the boss there, you're, you're working for the boss and you're working towards a common goal. And you, you kind of you forget your differences. You're, you, you have to to do, you know, act appropriately. But then when I'm gone and I watch on camera, man, one girl's one girl's messy. She's not cleaning up after herself. And the other girl's yelling at her. Like, yeah, instead of like tonicking with her, hey, could you be a little bit more clean? Could you clean mm-hmm. up after yourself? No, she's like yelling at her. And so they had a fight and then that was it. And I could never get them together again. It was mm-hmm. ruined. I, if I was managing them at all times, then, but, but the thing is, I don't also want to manage them all the time. I do want to be able to leave. I do want to be able to go on vacation and come home and then be together. So then I realized, okay, the girls have to be compatible within themselves if they're going to live together. I can't be babysitting them all the time. So that was one of the lessons learned. There's been so many lessons learned. A lot of them the hard way, like this. Some of them through like um, David Bond, for example. I did David Bond's um, Millionaire Social Circle, and I went to Philippines and uh, learned all, all the harem quest that's what he calls it for him, the harem quest. And so I, I called mine like the Tony Huge harem quest is the David mm-hmm. Bond harem quest. And I learned a lot of, uh, you know, things that I was missing from him about how to manage a harem properly. Because, you know, this is this is not something you ever like TV doesn't media doesn't teach you this. I think a lot of what people learn about relationships is from media and TV, like what they're mm-hmm. supposed to do. How they're supposed Hollywood, to yeah, sitcoms. Yeah, there's not there's nothing really to watch that's realistic about running a harem. You have to learn it all through trial and error. It's really it's really a long process. So it was nice to to learn from someone in person who'd mm-hmm. been through and fixed some of the problems that I hadn't figured out how to fix. Yeah. Is there, um, I mean, like overall, I'm guessing because you continue to pursue the lifestyle, you find that the benefits outweigh like any cons, like the benefit of the variety and the fun and all that sort of stuff, it outweighs the cons of the drama between Well, them. I do think about giving up on it constantly, but then I remember that if you give up on this, it's very hard to get it back. Like the girls that I have right now, they they expect this harem lifestyle. Now, if I give them 
um, a more monogamous lifestyle, then it's going to be hard to go back to being polygamous. Mm -hmm. So like I, I need to keep reinforcing that I am polygamy. If you're with me, you're part of this. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I do think about giving up on it though, because at certain times, you know, when you're, when you have one girlfriend or wife and she gives you drama, it causes you a certain amount of stress. Now, can you imagine like three girls all on their period at the same time, yeah. all giving you drama at the same time? It's so overwhelming. You just want to, you, you just, you just shut down. I mean, it, it's, it's, yeah. you have to, well, to some extent you have to rise up and be a Superman. You have to be like a King and mm -hmm. you have to lay down the law and you've got to be like a father with 10 children. Right. And, and you're, you're the one setting the rules and the standards and enforcing. And on the other hand, it's like it, 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 it sometimes reaches a breaking point where it breaks you as a man and you just crumble into depression. And then you've got, instead of one woman, like, uh, emotionally attacking you you've got three or or more and yeah it can be overwhelming and then you think like okay i i can't handle this i am gonna i should just give up on this i think it's impossible this is maybe maybe monogamy is you know the way to go but in the end i always think like man i just really have two choices like any of us do in life we can either just completely settle where we're at which mm -hmm. is totally fine like you can settle and be happy like once you've got the life you want you could settle and you could keep that forever or like you could see what the next chapter has in store for you and for me like it's like i want to see the next chapter i want to get through the hard time with the harem and i want to see what it's like when i make it to the next level mm -hmm. now, that's interesting man you've you've shared some really uh great insights on how you live your own personal life with you know the women and like did you marry them or is it all just like they're the mother of your kids, you know, you take care no. of them. It's just an understanding, right? <laughs> when in law school, I decided I would never get married. Yeah. When I had family law in law school, I said, I am, <laughs> why would anybody ever get married? Like, why sign up for this? And, and this education about how the family law system works that we learn in law school should be taught in high school. Yeah. I mean, did, ditch the, you know, gender, <laughs> gender awareness class or, or whatever, and, and add in like family law, yeah, I've always said like, uh, you know, like 18 year old boys should be taken down to a family court for an afternoon just to watch what happens to men when they go through the divorce oh. grinder. So they under, have at least some understanding of what the world is really like, because even I didn't understand, like I just signed up for marriage. I'm like, sure, take the vows. If it doesn't work out, you can untie the knot. And then after a 20 minute <laughs> conversation with my lawyer, when I was like, OK, I need to get out of this, um, I was like, are you like fucking serious? Like this is a way that it goes for most guys. Like, I have to play these games. This is. This is how it can go sort of thing. So, well, um, you know, in, in, in high school, maybe you have like a drug, a recovered drug addict come to school and tell you like, oh, don't do drugs. It yeah. ruined my life. Now I'm clean and I teach people how not to do drugs. Bring yeah, in a divorce a guy that got guy fucked. <laughs> married guy come in and go, don't get married. It's going to ruin your life. Do you ever get pressured for like a further commitment, a ring, marriage, you know, like any of that from the ladies? Oh, they... I mean, even now, I mean, I have one girlfriend I've been with for 12 years. Like, she, I mean, maybe she's the love of my life. Maybe she's my soulmate, you know, but there's mm -hmm. just some incompatibilities that prevent us from like progressing to the next level. So we've just maintained the relationship where it is for 12 years and it's fulfilling and satisfying to both of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, even, yeah, she, she would even hint 
at it sometimes as well, but it's not about the paper for her. It's more about like the ceremony, like in her mind, that's the way to take the relationship to the next level. Mm. I've got other ideas how to take the relationship to the next level, like anal sex, mm. <laughs> you know, which we still haven't done after 12 years. So, I'm, but you know, that's the compromise. I'll maintain this level of relationship and, and I won't ask more crazy stuff of her as long as she doesn't ask crazy stuff of me, like getting married. Well, I mean, like you also have the option too, is like, if she's not going to, like, if she's not down for anal sex, you've always got another girl that you can turn to, right? That's it. That's the whole point. Like, I don't want to put the pressure. I really do love women. Yeah. And part of me is monogamous, but yeah. I don't want to put the pressure on one woman to be everything that I want to be. I don't want her to force her to be a professional cook and a professional massage. Cause I have one of my girlfriends is a professional cook. Mm -hmm. Like none of the other girls can cook as good as her. And I don't want to force them to go take cooking classes and learn how to cook. If that's not their, their mm -hmm. passion, you know, if one of them wants to be a, an influencer, you know, she wants to start doing YouTube and stuff. That's amazing. I, I would love to have a girlfriend that, that does something similar to what I do. And I can bond with her about that and do that together. Mm -hmm. So I've got one girlfriend that's an amazing cook and one girlfriend that wants to be an influencer. And, you know, one girlfriend that, that, that like massages me or, 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 or one that's intellectually stimulating to me. So I've got like everything that a man could want in a woman is just spread across multiple girls because I could never find all of what I want in, in one woman. Mm. And is it, is it open on your end and closed on their end? Like, how do you structure that? So I'm actually not gel, not very jealous. And, um, this probably goes, I didn't heard you specifically say this that I know of, but it probably goes against your, like some of your rules, but like, mm. I don't really, here's an example. <clears throat> I had a, a girlfriend for a year and I just uh, didn't like she didn't match up with what the next chapter of my life, what I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. So I just like gently let her go. Like I didn't break up with her, but it's just kind of like, hey, I'm not going to spend much time with you anymore. So and I also don't want you to be alone. So if you get another boyfriend, that's fine. So she went and she got another boyfriend. We stay in contact. And and then I, I started thinking more recently Actually, I kind of miss her style and it may be, it might actually be compatible with what I want in the next chapter. Mm. So just timing was good. She just broke up with her boyfriend and messaged me back because I, so it's like, Hey, go with another guy because I can't satisfy you, occupy you, provide for you for this period of time. You go try something different. I'm going to mm. try my harem and then always remain friends and then maybe come back. So, yeah, so you leave the door open is what you've basically done. Yeah, yeah. I, what about I like, like the mothers of your kids or like the women that are uh, more more long term or might have a you know potential to be like a mom to one of your kids? Like, do you let them do whatever they want with other guys, or do you close the door on that for them and say, look, you know, you need to commit to me? Yeah, uh, the pro the problem, the whole pair bonding and like like the woman. Women are like, uh, I don't know what it's, what, what is it like? Women kind of adopt the man's values and, and like, if well, they, they usually they adopt your frame, like if you're the dominant frame in the relationship and you set, like they will adopt your interests and tastes in music and politics and pastimes. Yeah. Like I find that women will, like, if they really dig your vibe, then they'll adopt the same musical tastes and political tastes and, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Right? So, so I can't have a woman like, like one of the baby mamas. I can't have her go fall in love with another man, even if it's for a night, mm -hmm. because it's going to like stretch her ability to conform to my 
style and values thinner. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not about the sex. It's not about the physical act. Like uh, it's more about like the psychological part of it. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if there's a, if there was a way for them to, to like get some sexual exploration with another man that was like, there was no emotional, anything that was going to stretch them thinner, then I wouldn't care. It's not the physical part. It's the psychological part. So like baby mama, number one, for example, she should not sleep with another man mm -hmm. because she mentally, psychologically, she's monogamous. And if she does that, her mind's going to jump to the other man. She's not going to be able to like her brain's going to be confused. Mm -hmm. Like, like so, a lot of women need to just be monogamous. They should not be trying to be like, like a lot of women these days are saying, Oh, if men can sleep with multiple women, then women should be sleeping with multiple men. But the psychology is completely different between men and women. It doesn't work so good with, with women, you know, so it's it harder for them to, so it sounds like to me like the women that are important to you in the hierarchy, maybe the ones that are that are mothers to your kids, it's it's Tony Huge and only Tony Huge don't want you out with other guys dating nothing, you know, like you're not not not, not like you own them like their property, but you're mine, you know, uh, you know, you've claimed me and I've claimed you sort of thing, but it's open on my end. But you but you need to yeah. stay within boundaries like do I understand that's that how it'll be with baby mama one and three and four and yeah. so on. But baby mama two is such, uh, she, she's just not as hard of a worker as I am. Mm -hmm. And so she becomes more of a liability. So it's like, ah, I would rather her have a boyfriend so that she's working hard for a boyfriend since she's, since she, like ever any harem that I have, they say like, it's hard for them to be motivated to work so hard when they see baby mama two acting like a princess and not willing to work hard. So like part of, part of the requirement to be in the harem with me is work hard, but it's not, it's not like work hard for me, do paperwork. No, it's, mm -hmm. I just want to see some, I don't want to see wasted time and wasted life. You know, life on earth is so short. So mm -hmm. I want to see productivity, even if they're playing video games, but they're winning at their video games and doing really well and even making money at it and stuff. Okay. Play video games, but mm -hmm. don't just sit and vegetate and do nothing or watch TV or something like that. I, I don't like girls just watching TV. Aren't you, aren't so. you concerned with the notion of paternity because women have a hundred percent assurance of paternity when they get pregnant, that it's their kid but you don't as a man, unless you know that she's sexually exclusive to you. So do you have any concerns about raising another man's child if you let one or two of them go outside of the relationship with you? Well, I have to make absolute, like, uh, yeah, I make, I, I make sure that I, I don't want to end up in a situation where I'm raising a young child that's not mine. But if, if the, like, like, for example, my, one of my girlfriends has a child, but the child lives with the grandparents mm -hmm. and this is from a prior relationship then. Yeah. Okay. And, and it, it's really zero emotional burden and it's a very small financial burden mm -hmm. and it's actually kind of a good thing. I, I like when, after women have had a child, I like women more because they are so much more nurturing there's something that changes in their brain after they have a child that makes them nurturing. And I like them to be nurturing towards me. Like after a woman has a child, she's also more nurturing towards me. She develops some kind of nurturing skill. So 
I do like after they had a child, but I wonder if that's exclusive to Asian women because I've I've noticed in North America anyway, like if there's a single mom, um, she she typically takes on the attitude or the mindset that um, I've already got one kid, I don't need another one, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, the. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, they're all, I guess every girl's different. There are some that are like that mm -hmm. also, but I don't know if that's the norm. Mm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, dude, we've talked a lot about, uh, harem and your lifestyle and, and, and dating the baby mobs and all that stuff. So that's, so that's really cool. I'm glad you, uh, dove into that. I've got a bunch of other notes on stuff. That's like your real like wheelhouse. Cause most of your stuff that you talk about is, uh, training peds steroids uh peptides minimizing hair loss maximizing fat loss maximizing muscle um a lot of guys have questions about this i mean I, i'm i'm hopeful in the west anyway because when i go to the gym i still see a lot of young men training i still see them picking up heavy shit putting it down i also still see them make the same mistakes like if you go to the gym you know more towards the evening when the younger guys are there they're all around the bench press and they're all doing curls and they don't really do much else but um you know we all mature sort of through that stage um what is uh, like i've talked to vigorous steve and he's real cool with the stuff that you know that he gets into and i think you're friends with him as well too yes uh, okay so let me start with this then so like there's a few guys that i've noticed in the last few years that have passed uh joe aesthetics who you made a video about i know that you're friends with him um Leo from Leo and Longevity. There's been a few guys um, that have just disappeared. Um, why are big, strong, muscular guys so prone to just dying? You know, like, what do you think's going on with that? Well, firstly, I think that the media has it wrong. The media says that steroids are killing people. I don't think steroids kill anybody, um, but one of the side effects or intended effects of steroids is, you know, increased muscle mass. Mm -hmm. And if you take that too far, then your organs have a hard time keeping up, especially your heart. What do you think and, too far is though? For, like for a guy like me, I'm, I'm six foot two, I'm about 220 pounds right now. When I first got on TRT around 43, 44, I think it was 193 pounds. Um, like what is too much for a guy in my frame? I think 220 at 62. You said 62? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome. That's that's great. That's you, that's where you probably want to be as far as balancing like quality of life and and health and as we get older um one of the major causes of 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 death or de decrease in quality of life is is just being weak. So if you can be strong and you have some muscle mass, uh, then that's going to actually help you survive up to a certain point. So um, it's usually like, okay, what you could achieve, the, the maximum muscle that you could achieve on, let's say, TRT+. plus. You take testosterone, but then you also add a little something, something, so you're a little extra anabolic. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the healthiest place to be, healthier than even being on trt have what a little like bit extra muscle mass plus like the plus like what is that like anavar primaballin like what do you typically say is a, a plus well most people TRT? most people probably just take a little extra testosterone to, okay. to 
you know, but so then instead of taking 150 milligrams a week, they take 200 or 250 milligrams a week. Okay, that's better. You will notice more benefits. It's worth it. Uh, it's worth it to take a little bit extra testosterone and be a little bit more than what's natural. There's a lot of benefits that come with it and almost mm -hmm. no side effects. Uh, but that and then Anavar, yeah, Anavar has got very low side effects and you can take it at a low dosage. I mean, the, the steroids get a bad name because people just take too much of them. But mm. that's with anything, any, any, any supplement, any compound, any food can be a poison if you take too much of it, but you just take a little bit, a little bit goes a long way, mm. you know, 10 milligrams of Anavar twice a day is low for bodybuilders because a bodybuilder might take 80 milligrams a day. So you're mm -hmm. taking like 20 versus 80, you're taking one fourth of what a bodybuilder, plus a bodybuilder would be taking four other steroids on top of it. So mm. like even that which is a reasonable dosage, you'd notice a big effect, uh, that that's still pretty healthy. I mean, there's like all, practically no side effects. And you have to compare the side effects of these things to other things in your life too. Like, you know, um, well, there's a lot of unhealthy things we do when we eat artificial foods and artificial colors, mm -hmm. and it's it's not that big of a deal if you're not doing eating too much of it. And it's the same thing with steroids. If you take a little bit of it, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't really impact your health mm -hmm. negatively. And so SARMs are my favorite. So the selective androgen receptor modulators. I mean, it was you look at the history of steroids. We started with testosterone, and then you modify testosterone a little bit, and you get a new steroid. And over time, they keep modifying it and coming out with better and better steroids, better meaning more benefit to less side effects. And then we arrive to SARMs, which are synthetic compounds, reverse engineered. So they look at the receptor on the muscle cell and they say, okay, we know testosterone and anything related to testosterone fits in this receptor. What if we make a new synthetic compound that's designed specifically for that receptor and it has less affinity for other receptors like your hair and your prostate and your skin, you know, mm -hmm. so you're, so you're not going to get acne, you're not going to get hair loss and you're not going to get prostate problems. Uh, then it's, then it's got a much better benefit to side effect ratio. Do so you use I testosterone or do you use SARMs or do you use a combination of both? I'm almost always on testosterone as a foundation, but mm -hmm. I do sometimes let my testosterone drop to zero and then substitute with just SARMs or something like I, I change it up a lot. But my default mode would be like 200 milligrams of testosterone a week, which is basically TRT. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I'll add a SARM. Mm -hmm. And then I'll switch between SARMs. And then if I want to get bigger, I'll take a steroid. But, but the SARMs do make you bigger. They build muscle, but they mm -hmm. don't hold water. So like if I want to actually hold water and fill out and my muscles be more like balloons, then I will take like Dianabol. Mm-hmm. A steroid that is good for you know strength and fullness and so and then if i wanted to look um more shredded you know more definition then maybe i would take anivore because mm. that doesn't hold water you know and, and that does increase strength and and but for the most part i'm using mostly sarms and different sarms what's the um what's the go-to sarm for you the most the the mo the one i've used the most in the last year has been sarm ac262 and I've done so much lab work on it and so many experiments on it with, with checking liver values and kidney values and its effect on testosterone in people who are not supplementing with testosterone. So we can see how AC262 impacts their natural testosterone production. Mm -hmm. uh, Connor Murphy, 
my friend who does refuses to take steroids. He wants to stay natty. Um, but he is was willing to take certain things like MK677 to increase his growth hormone. He's got a set of rules. Like it's got to be as healthy as natural. It's mm-hmm. got to not suppress natural testosterone levels. So I said, I said, this is the perfect opportunity to do the experiment with AC262 because I've done this before and I've seen that um it has not suppressed testosterone levels very much. It's dosage dependent, though. You mm-hmm. can again take more and more of it and then testosterone levels will come down but what i did with with connor is i i said take the blue ox and black ox testosterone booster so then it took his which has got all the herbs and supplements that boost testosterone so we took his natural testosterone like tongat ali and yep 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 all all the herbs in one basically Mm -hmm. take all of them in one the the blue and black ox have both of that and you have a testosterone boosting supplement also so i do yeah these do work if if someone has low testosterone and they take a natural testosterone boosting supplement, it will increase their testosterone. Um, but if you have high testosterone and you take a natural testosterone boosting supplement, it's probably not going to increase it like to a superhuman level. And it's certainly yeah. never going to get you a bodybuilding level. But there, there's a definite use for these. These are very helpful. They do actually work. Um, sometimes it's a matter of dosage. Sometimes you need to take more of it. Like if it doesn't work, you take more and then it does work. So Connor, that you have to be yeah. careful with though, like uh Fidoja aggressus, I understand over a longer term can be somewhat toxic, whereas something like Tongat Ali has been proven to be pretty safe. Uh, okay. Yeah. There's, yeah. My general approach to chemistry is to take breaks from almost everything mm-hmm. and, you know, the way toxicity has worked in my experience and dealing with compounds that are toxic are that if you take breaks from them and your body's able to detox from them mm-hmm. through de- depending on what mechanism they work through and what detox are required, but just breaks seem to be the best remedy for toxicity, like just not chronically exposure, exposing you to something that's toxic. And also the dosage matters, but mm-hmm. the chronic part is probably the most important. So yeah, taking breaks from, from everything, but uh, yeah, it's, it's possible that Fedoja, I, I haven't looked into that, but it's possible that Fedoja could have a, uh, toxicity from chronic usage or something like that um so You're but there's other ones Connor, like yeah, selenium and, and, and boron and and zinc and, and vitamin d are a bunch of nutrients yeah. that you know we should be taking probably more of anyways because we're probably not getting enough these nutrients in our in our food supply yeah. so connor doubled his testosterone and then i said okay now add on these first do 3ad which is a pro hormone and then do sarm ac262 and then since you're on the blue and black ox, I don't think you're going to have any suppression. I think no matter what, you're going to be above baseline. You're going to still be higher testosterone than your natural. In fact, like I will guarantee that to him, um, but I won't guarantee that it'll be as high if you didn't take the AC262. Like like taking testosterone boosters got him up to 650 testosterone from 350, so almost double or 300 to 650, something like this. And I said, take the AC262 and maybe your testosterone drops to 500, but it's still going to be higher than it was natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his testosterone actually stayed the same. It didn't decrease whatsoever on the mm-hmm. AC262. And yet he put on a huge amount of muscle. He looks like he's on steroids. He looks amazing. Everybody thinks he's on steroids, but he was just on the 
the testosterone booster plus some you know other natural supplements and then the pro hormone 3ad which also doesn't suppress testosterone and then the sarm ac262 which doesn't mm -hmm. suppress testosterone yeah i've always said that uh, like i personally think your own natural endogenous production of testosterone is your best source um what your balls make is going to be best for your body like i can go back to pictures of myself at like 30 when um i was probably in the best natural shape shape of my life even at like 198 maybe 200 pounds and i look like a mini arnold you know the way my body was built uh today on trt i'm a little softer i don't know if it's because of age or because you retain a little bit more water with like a testosterone cypionate or an ethionate or whatever but um i think your balls is definitely going to give you the best juice that your body can use for sure right well, it might, it might not be the testosterone itself. Perhaps the testosterone molecule is the testosterone molecule, whether it's synthetic or natural, and the body doesn't know the difference. I mean, these hormone clinics say bioidentical hormones, but all they really mean from what I can see is that it's a testosterone, which is a natural hormone. And if you did a lab test or an HPLC test on your natural testosterone versus synthetic, and then the receptors in the muscle. I don't think that it would know the difference. But the process of your body naturally making testosterone, the process that it goes through, mm -hmm. which if your body's producing its own natural testosterone, it's going to go through a process. And if you're injecting it, it's not going to go through the process. So it's that process that might have other steps to it besides just producing testosterone that, that benefit you. I think probably you could get most of those benefits by supplementing with pregnenolone and DHEA and mm -hmm. HMG. So like if you took those three things, then I think you you could have much higher testosterone levels with none of the even tiny little side effects of not producing your own natural testosterone. Mm. Oh, um, we didn't really deal with the um, Leo and the Joe Aesthetics issue, um, you know, the bodybuilders sort of like dropping off um, at a relatively young age compared to the average population you know one of the things um i saw in leo's um videos once was he was talking about a study on um korean monks i think it was where they basically uh, turned them into eunuchs and i think it's the longest study it's an accidental study but they measured the lifespan of these korean monks who were all eunuchs um, and they live something like 30% longer than the average population uh, because they had no testosterone in their bodies as males. And I think, I think the argument that he made at the time was because uh, testosterone can be nephrotoxic, so it, so it can damage your kidneys. And because they didn't have extra testosterone in their body, they just live longer, their organs lasted longer. Um, but then it kind of takes you the argument, like, you know, do you want to live as a eunuch without your junk? you know, for an extra 30% or do you want to, you know, live 30% shorter, jack tan and juicy as fuck to sort of steal from Robert Frank. You know what I mean? Yeah, this, it's hard for me to imagine that being true. I remember this and I remember him not just doing the video about it, but talking with him about it. And my mission, I actually had a lot of things I wanted to prove Leo, I guess you could say prove him wrong about, but I, more like change his mind about. Mm -hmm. And that was one of them. And because I know he read he didn't the study. Use steroids, right? Like he was natural. He used steroids. He did in the yeah. past, but not like before he died or for years leading up. Yeah, no, he used them now oh. too. He just took long. He took long breaks when he didn't like. He wouldn't take steroids and not go to the gym. Okay, it's like at periods of time when he can go to the gym, he does take steroids because he also believed, like I do, like going to the gym without steroids is like a complete waste of time. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like you can make five times the progress with steroids. If you value your time, why would you not take steroids when you go to the gym? You know, that's okay. we both felt that way. Um, okay, so with the Unix, though, I don't know how that could be true when all of like the 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 guys that I help, I coach people with biohacking, mm-hmm. and the guys that I help. Uh, I've never seen one that was healthier for having low testosterone. I've just never seen it. I've seen instead I've seen huge amounts of side effects of having low testosterone. Healthier so in the regards of like healthy. organ function, kidney levels, level liver levels, like uh, inflammatory markers in your body. Like, is that what you're talking about? Ah, uh, well, well, here might be the answer because in real life, outside of a monk temple, um, as a man you're not going to survive very well with low testosterone. Like you're not going to survive and thrive and you're not going to have the drive to build a good life and take care of your health and go to the gym and all these things. Mm-hmm. But if you're living in a monastery where you don't have any competition, uh, you know, it's not really the real world. Maybe we don't need testosterone. Mm-hmm. Maybe if we were monks, we don't need it. But in the real world, if you don't have testosterone, you're going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. So what do you think happened to Joe Aesthetics? I think he had a, well, I don't know for certain, and but I am a friend and I was, you know, I, I've reviewed his lab work and I've uh, coached him on chemistry uh, extensively over the years. Uh, so I have a good idea of all the things that he's taken and how he treats his body in chemistry. I think it had a lot to do with the the safe and effective. I think it was a clotting injury yeah i saw and, a podcast a few weeks before he passed where he was talking about having to filter his blood and they found mm-hmm. particles in it that didn't look normal yeah and he was going to a doctor and he was having his blood filtered and he was freaking out about it and he he knew it was a risk and we have another friend mutual friend that was also um did some diagnostic testing and found that he suffered some major problems from the safe and effective. So like combined between them, they were both like really scaring each other about it. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up dying from an aneurysm, uh, you know, Which what, blood what in the brain. possibly happened is he had a clot in the carotid artery and it went to the brain. Actually, I just saw an article. I think it was this morning. Uh, it, it's the craziest headline. It says like 16 million Americans are at risk of dying from hard exercise right that would get your attention you're like whoa you're so i thought you're supposed to exercise hard because that's healthy what they're saying into the safe and effective treatment that they well that's what's funny is they don't mention this because that's i think that that's the problem that's why everybody's dying of heart attacks strokes uh pulmonary embolisms and thrombosis and like there's there's all kinds of different diseases if you just put them all in one category, like clotting diseases, Mm -hmm. like clotting diseases have skyrocketed and what's different now versus, you know, so Mm -hmm. many years ago. I mean, the safe and effective is, is one thing that's different. Maybe there's, maybe there's something else. Maybe there's something in the water. I don't know, but certainly clotting diseases have skyrocketed. Um, That's got nothing to do with performance enhancing drugs. Just to be clear, like steroids don't create particles in your blood or anything like that. Right. Right, but it can be a compounding factor because the steroids can increase your blood pressure. 
Um, they can make your blood thicker. You can have more red blood cells, which could be a good thing. Like a lot of people should be on steroids because they need more red blood cells. But after a certain point and you're on steroids for a certain amount of time, you might have too many red blood cells. So you just have to get blood work and check this. But the thing about Joe is he was frequently getting blood work. He was monitoring his health. He had, Joe was super wealthy. He had lots of money mm -hmm. and he never spared an expense on his health. He always got his testing done. He always took a lot of health supplements. He always took really good care of his health. Um, so, you know, this was a unique situation. This is not your typical bodybuilder who just like disregards their health and takes steroids and doesn't care if they're unhealthy. No, he was doing like steroids in the, in the healthiest way. Um, and, and, and a lot of people would say, well, you can't achieve that level of physique without just blasting steroids all the time. But Joe worked hard. Joe was doing hours of cardio every day and he was watching every calorie he ate. And the reason why he was so shredded is because he works so hard. Of course, steroids are required to bring that muscle density and definition, but he wasn't using steroids to get huge. He wasn't mm -hmm. using steroids to make up for hard work. It was just a, like it's a necessary part to get a certain level of physique, but he was not overusing steroids. He was using amounts that a lot of guys who have regular looking physiques are using. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause a lot of people love to criticize guys that do the work and look really good and like, Oh, it's all steroids. And they'll just dismiss it. I mean, if I post a picture on social media, I did, you know, in the last month when I just finished training at the uh, dojo with some boxing and, you know, of course guys come in the comment, they're like, Oh, that's all the steroids. And it's like, no motherfucker. Uh, Diet, sleep, training, cardio, the fact that I ride my bike to the dojo, you know, like all of these things that I, you know, add in my lifestyle and the fact that I make good health choices and like not taking government enforced supplements that they want you to take and shit like that. Um, and yes, you know, being, being anabolic and having testosterone, like healthy levels of testosterone in your blood will help you optimize all that work. Um, yeah. But it's just the way that, you know, society is because it's easier to point and sputter and, you know, flick boogers at somebody that than it is to do the work themselves well if someone gives me the choice like you can take steroids which have this much benefit let's say like a high benefit steroids yeah. and the side effects are very low if you do them responsibly very very low side effects mm -hmm. um for and for a lot of people there's no side effects there's only benefits because they're taking such a small amount it's like mm -hmm. if you take someone with low testosterone and you give them steroids which is testosterone they're going to be healthier for it like, like Connor is healthier now significantly than he was when he first came to Thailand after taking all these supplements that boost his testosterone after taking SARMs. And he's also got like 23 pounds more lean mass. Um, so there's like no reason not to take them. So steroids, huge benefit, small side effect when done responsibly. And then on the other hand, you have the safe and effective, which has been proven not to be effective. So now there's or zero safe. benefit, yeah. no benefit. And yet, huge side effects. A lot of people die within one month. Some people die, you know, later from clots. And then they say the, the clots were caused by climate change or hard exercise, you know, yeah. exercising too hard. People are having heart attacks. Well, they weren't before. Well, I mean, there's also the notion in some of those mainstream media, you know, publications where they're trying to suggest and, I mean, they'll even explicitly state it that, you're a hard right liner. Like there was an article that came out that basically called guys that train Nazis. 
um, and white supremacists. So if you go to the gym and you want to look good and maintain healthy body mass, uh, then you're a Nazi slash, you know, white supremacist. And it's like, there's this, there's this notion where the mainstream media is trying to shame men into being pussies. Basically like they're trying to pussify the West and make them weaker and softer and more agreeable. And nothing can be further to truth. Like people want you to be strong, virtuous and masculine. And there's nothing better than a strong, powerful man that, uh, you know, it's a whole speak softly, carry a big stick, right? Like women love a powerful man. There's, there's, there's nobody that can deny that. It is a fact reality. Anyone that tells you otherwise is lying to you or selling you some shit. Um, I want to ask you about two more things before we go, cause we're starting to run out of time. Um, I want to talk about hair loss and optimizing uh, sexual performance, which seems to be two big areas for guys that always have interest in that. And I know that you speak on those topics frequently. So, um, hair loss is something that guys always struggle with. I'm one of the dudes that just said, fuck it, shave my head. Um, I've got the hair loss gene. It was on my grandfather's side. So it's, you know, to me, it's a losing battle. It's like, if, if, if you've got the predisposition to lose your hair, you're probably maybe going to delay it. If you do some of the things that a lot of guys talk about, but you're probably not going to stop it. Um, somebody said in the comments earlier that you've reversed your hair loss. Did you have a hair loss issue? I started, well, my hair has always been thin. Like even when I was, I've always had thin hair, just mm -hmm. all the hair on my body. It's, 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 yeah, it's not. But I mean, you I got a good have, head of hair from this angle right now. Like I would say, you know, you don't have a hair loss issue. E, so I, I think I lost a lot of hair from stress when my, when my baby mama one got pregnant because I did not want to have a child at the time. And she said she was on birth control and she trapped me, you know, in this situation. Actually, that's one of the reasons I retired as a lawyer, too, because like, um, God, it was it was right around that time, too, when I I was in court in the courthouse bathroom and I heard a, a man who was going through a divorce with a woman and he's in the bathroom with the wife's lawyer. And he starts like yelling at him. He's like, he's like, I'm, I should be retiring right now. You're forcing me into slavery. You're making me, you're going to make me work another 18 years to pay for a kid that I didn't. I'm like, Oh my God. And then, and then this happened to me. Like I, that was conversation played back in my head and I'm like, Oh my God, that's right. And plus I've seen it in my clients. Like it, the, the problem is if, if, uh, if you're a wealthy guy, you make a lot of money and the woman gets pregnant and she doesn't make very much money, then you're going to have to give a huge, like huge amount of your income and you have to pay the taxes on it. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 it's crazy how much money you have to pay her. And the court's justification is like, they need to equalize the households. So now you take this woman that's practically like a homeless woman and you take this super wealthy guy and you're going to take the super wealthy guy to a level of class that he can't be happy at because like his, his expectations, what he worked for in life, everything is up here mm -hmm. and you're going to bring her up to a level that she never deserved, never earned and shouldn't be living at just so the kids can have an equal experience in both households so that the kids can learn that the wife's approach is the more effective approach to do nothing and figure out how to have the government reward you for doing nothing. Like the whole thing was so insane and then she threatened me and basically blackmailed me like, aha, I can, can I have at the mo at the time I had multiple different girlfriends and she was one of my girlfriends and she mm. thought that, okay, if I get pregnant, then he'll be with me and he'll get rid of the other girls, which is just to me like evil, but to her, it's a natural happens all the yeah. time. 
Yeah, and and women women I guess they should do that. Like congratulations to her, she won the lottery. Yeah, right. And and, and by the way, I still love her and I loved her at yeah. the time. Yeah. You know, so it, women are the women are. So you so, started losing your hair at that time, or? Yes, the stress of that situation. I was like, oh my god, my career's over. I might as well. It was a combination of why I wanted to move you know, get out of Western society. It's like, mm -hmm. number one, it's like, this system is so ridiculous. I don't want to be a part of it. But it was also, uh, and and me, and then also the risk of me getting sucked into the matrix more mm -hmm. after having learned that I didn't want to be part of the matrix. Like, in my mind, I was thinking, I someday I would like to live in Asia. And then I realized, oh my God, if I don't sell my law firm and get out now, I'm going to be trapped here forever because the court is going to order me to keep working as a lawyer, making millions of dollars so that I can give it to her. And mm -hmm. I'm going to be enslaved involuntary servitude for the next 18 years, which is basically like game over. You lost it life game over. That's it. Isn't so. it interesting that there aren't many lawyers over the age of 25 or 30 male lawyers that contemplate marriage? Very few of them will even entertaining it. You know, it's like once they see what happens to guys they're like, fuck that. That should tell all of the non-lawyers that they they if they're thinking about getting married, they there's probably something they're missing. If the yeah. experts who are the lawyers don't get married, then you know, watch probably what the experts do before making a decision. So I mean the question in everybody's mind right now is what was the protocol to fix your hair loss? Because that's what a lot of guys ask. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I lost a lot of hair from that. And I uh I actually didn't do much to recover it for a long time. I had a lot of hair loss mm. for a really long time. And then I only started, then I started using, the first thing I did is I started using Nizoral shampoo, which has mm -hmm. got ketoconazole in it, which uh, helps deactivate the DHT in the scalp. And I liked that because it didn't interfere with my body's natural DHT level. So I was aware that I could have taken finasteride or dutasteride to block DHT at a young age and prevent hair loss starting at age 23. I could have done that and, and mm -hmm. still never lost hair. And anybody can. The problem is that my sex drive was always really important to me. Um, so I didn't want to risk at any cost. I would rather lose all my hair than lose my sex drive. Yeah, it's like a dichotomy. Like, do you want to have hair and look young and, and good to women or do you want to have no hair and bang? You know, basically, right? You know, for some guys. And and DHT does more than just hair too. Like DHT gives you your muscle hardness and yeah. it gives you like drive. Like so, you know, a lot of guys they get it on plays a role in sex drive too, right? DHT helps sex drive yeah. significantly. Yeah. yeah. And performance and hardness. And so yeah, I, I didn't want to lower it. So I I went with the ketoconazole, just like the topical solution. And then eventually I added in minoxidil. Mm. And these are the these are like these are the three main things you'd be looking at for preventing hair loss. It'd be it'd be finasteride, which is safer than dutasteride, in my opinion, because you can take a lower dosage. Like I, mm. I think my clients don't ever take the full dosage. We always do like a, a, a smaller, yeah. based on how important their sex drive is versus their hair. If they say like, oh, I don't care about sex drive, it's all about hair loss. Okay, then take a full dosage of finasteride. Yeah. And by the way, some guys respond really well to finasteride and they don't suffer side effects of low DHT. Mm -hmm. And and there also are ways like you could increase your testosterone level but still keep your DHT level lower and still get some of the benefits of, 
of DHT. So there's really like a lot of different ways to work it. It's very individual specific. It takes mm -hmm. some experimentation for each individual with each client that I have. I have to like experiment with it and see how they feel and get feedback and then, and then adjust. Um, but my, but my three go to are I do take a one milligram of finasteride with every testosterone shot, but I might only take a shot once every five days. Mm -hmm. So I'm taking one fifth of the dosage of finasteride that a doctor would prescribe you. Mm. Okay. So it just keeps it in check. Yep. And then the minoxidil is an everyday thing. Plus it makes your hair kind of a little, little bit greasy, mm -hmm. makes your hair just look a little bit worse, but you can put it on at night, but it's better on to put it on the night in the morning. And then there's microneedling, which I do once in a while and I should do more because I do believe it's effective. Um, but I, I think that's best to do that maybe once a week, not, that's certainly not every day. Connor, when he first came here, he was microneedling his scalp every day. Mm. And I'm saying he's causing inflammation and is yeah. too much inflammation. You get major scalp. scar tissue from all that. Yeah. And, and you know, these hair follicles are getting smaller and they're they're very susceptible to, to things like that. So why, why like, don't do it more than necessary? And then there's red light therapy. I have the red light, but I never, I never use it mm. um, because I just stick to those basic main three things. And then I've been saving... I've been saving the biggest secret for last, Rich. What's the biggest secret? Hair powder. Hair. Oh, that, oh that's that Black shit you put on your head to like dye your scalp? Hair powder. Yeah, I've yep. seen guys that use that. There was a guy on my um, rally that I went on, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And, he, you know, you could tell he like powders the top of his head. And it's like, you know, from a distance, it looks okay. But up close, you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> Well, if you get good at it, you know how much to put and you get really fast at it. It's like yeah. after my shower, I'm going to put it on and it's just like, bup, 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 comb, 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 gel, pff, done. Yeah. Super fast. Yeah. So it's really not inconvenient. It's not that messy. If you put gel on it, it sticks to the hair anyways. Yeah. It might as well be hair. But the problem with it is as you lose more and more hair, you might get a little bit more aggressive with the powder to the yeah. point where it does look really obvious. And they even yeah. have black spray paint. And, yeah, I've and seen I did that, that. I spray painted my scalp. And yeah, it I remember worked, the but... um yeah, I remember the hair powder was around when I was uh younger. I think when I was uh I think when I got married, I think I was on my honeymoon and a friend of mine was like, Oh, you gotta try this hair powder and shit. And you know, I brought this container of hair powder down, you know, um and yeah, I wake up in the morning. I'm like, "What's that black shit on the pillow?" And it's like, "Oh, it's the hair powder coming off your head." And it's like, "Yeah, I don't know." I mean, That's I'm one of those guys who just said, "Fuck it, just surrender to it and just shave your head." But oh, hundred yeah, percent, like you have a great shaped head. head for it, and you got the beard. Like your look yeah. is amazing. Like I'm, yeah. I'm jealous that you could look good with the hair and and the beard, but I don't think I would look good bald. So my next step is I'm probably going to get a hair transplant very yeah. soon, and I would just bring the front down like mm -hmm. this, so I wouldn't have these peaks. And then I would still use the hair powder because it just makes it look so thick and awesome. But I by bringing why it down, I can guys hair powder lower. Bring it down like you just described. Like it, like it always seems like to me whenever I talk to a guy that's doing a hair transplant, like just fill in what you have in there and maintain that hairline rather than trying to bring it down more. Like, wouldn't it be a better use of resources to sort of take that ship from the back and sort of fill in like the missing area that you sort of maintain that hairline? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't have hair, so I don't really. Yeah. I don't really care about like the the girl will say, "Oh, you're balding right here." Yeah. And I'll be like, "I don't know. I don't really care because I don't see it." Yeah. Like when I look at myself, I see the front, so I want to I guess it's a lot of it's for me. Mm. Um but but I do notice I do notice that when I do my when I make my hair look nice and I go in public, 
I get a much better reaction from women than when I don't. So like that little bit of extra hair and that little bit of gel makes a huge difference in how women react to me. Massive. Got it. So um, it last topic before we wrap up, uh, biohacking, uh, sexual performance, another big topic for guys often as well too. So what's your, what's your go-to protocol for, um, you know, for optimizing your sexual performance? Cause you clearly bang a lot with all these women you have in your life. This is an everyday, I, I experiment every day. I'm constantly, you know, my, my, everything's in an experiment for me. Um, but, uh, the go-to things that I use most frequently are making sure my testosterone and estrogen levels are balanced. So, um, if I have too little estrogen, then my sex drive drops down. My motivation to have sex drops down. Mm -hmm. Um, if I have too little testosterone, uh, yeah, same thing. So you need testosterone and estrogen and DHT. Or sometimes I'll even crash my DHT by taking more finasteride and then I'll take a steroid on top of it like Masterone. I feel a little bit of sexual benefit from taking Masterone when I take it. You know, Masterone converts to DHT? No, it's just very similar to DHT. It's like oh, okay. DHT, but it's modified to be more anabolic and more beneficial with less side effects. Oh, okay. Similar to how SARMs are. A lot of guys use Provirin, which is pills, which mm. is oral, which, wow, that can be a miracle. For some guys, it's not going to make that much of a difference. It's weird. People react so differently to it. Mm -hmm. Some guys, they take Provirin, and it's a game changer. It's like what they've been missing in their life. Yeah, Provirin lowers your SHBG, right, to free up more testosterone? Yes, it does that, but it also itself acts directly like the benefits of DHT in the body as well. Yeah, yeah. in some places in the world, I know they actually prescribe Provirin for ED. Um, I got my hands on some Provirin when I was down in Mexico, and that's like, it's like, it's basically like the blue pill. It's like fucking like boner city, right? Um, yeah. So it all depends on how you're going to react to that. Yeah, but that's interesting too. See, that's why people have to experiment. Like, yes, some of these things can have side effects, but some of them can also be absolute magic pills for some people. Mm. You know, like one one guy might take Provirin and he might be like, I didn't notice anything. Maybe I even lost hair. And another guy could take Provirin and be like, oh my God, I'm like rock hard. I'm excited. I'm motivated. My body's hardening up. And uh, yeah, that uh, and and some some things like SARMs are more consistent in how they affect people, but something like Provirin is very different from individual to individual how they react to it. Mm. Uh, so that's a good one for a lot of people. Um, especially, I noticed I noticed the guys that respond really well to Provirin also. Like, if the man's body is estrogenic, like the man's body's a, a little bit softer, or they're converting more estrogen, because it also helps the body manage estrogen as well. Yeah, Provirin acts like primobolin, doesn't it? It actually binds up estrogen, keeps it busy. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So actually, I even have one client who he's like, he doesn't want to inject any steroids, nothing, but his body was certainly estrogenic. Put him on just Provirin alone, mm -hmm. and it was like it fixed his hormones. I mean, mm -hmm. he didn't need testosterone replacement therapy. He didn't need to take testosterone. He just needed to take Provirin, and mm -hmm. if that's a pill. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not harmful so, to your liver either, right? I think Provirin's one of the safer. I don't think it has any liver toxicity, or if it does, it's very low because it, I know bodybuilders that take huge dosages of it. And the mm. dosage, usually it's like a 50 milligram pill. I know some of my clients have felt 25 milligrams only and felt a lot of benefits from it. Most of them would take 50, some would take 100, and a bodybuilder might take you know up to 200 milligrams. Mm. For example.
Okay. So you got managing testosterone, estrogen levels, provirin, anything mm -hmm. else that you use for that? Yeah. I mean, a lot. This is this is something you could probably talk all day about. But um, well, for uh, larger loads of semen, I take Pygium, P Y G E U M, just raw herb powder, mm. spoon of that, um, makes a difference. And then once in a while, the increased load size, I'll also take like a Clomid, Clomiphene, selective estrogen receptor modulator. Is it, the kind is of it um, sperm that it increases size, or is it like the semen volume that it increases size? Well, the or both. semen volume, semen volume, um, because in my case, my the amount of sperm that I'm going to make is going to be very low. My sperm mm. count is very low. Uh, to increase my sperm count, I take HMG. Yeah, which is, is that similar most to people HCG are or? With, most people are familiar with HCG. It's yeah. similar, but HCG works through the luteinizing hormone pathway. And it's actually the follicle stimulating hormone pathway that generate causes that starts the process of creating sperm. So the HMG works through the luteinizing and the follicle stimulating hormone pathways. Mm. Uh, but it's a more of a pain in the butt. Most people use HCG because you can do less frequent injections. You could do like one every five days. It's really cheap. Um, whereas HMG, you, you're injecting like in a small amount. HMG rejecting a whole vial every other day is the mm. protocol that like a doctor in the U.S. would put you on for fertility. Uh, but I just do, I mean, today I took a half a vial and maybe like I'll take a half vial tomorrow and then maybe I'll go three days and I won't take any and I'll take another one. I mean, this is not the best protocol for fertility. You, you would mm. want to keep, but I'm just trying to keep this engine of this, like, like the things that would normally happen when you have natural testosterone production, which I don't because I'm mm -hmm. on testosterone replacement therapy and, and take steroids and stuff. I just want to have that engine running so that I'm not like completely deficient in these things. I don't want to crash my fertility to zero. I want to have like 10% fertility is fine. That's enough. I can still get a girl pregnant. I got all of my children I've had and all of the pregnancies that resulted in abortions. We're all on steroids. Lots of pregnancy on steroids. Can definitely get someone pregnant on steroids. It just lowers the fertility. Mm. Cool. Um, so I guess we'll wrap it up on that note. We're at a 90 minute mark. I just try to keep these shows between 60 and 90 minutes. So check out Tony Huge's YouTube channel. Um, it's linked in the title. Anything else you want to sort of shout out to before we wrap up? Uh, like when we talked about like the sexual performance protocol, for example, all of my protocols are inside a, a biohacking website called Enhanced Matrix HQ. So like there's there's a lot more to this stuff and we just scratched the surface and it can get incredibly complicated. But um, there is a place where, you know, you can get like more detailed protocols. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So go to Tony's website and, uh, you know, check that stuff out. He's got some solid information. Um, awesome that you shared a lot of the stuff in your personal life with, um, you know, the gals in, in Thailand and, you know, running harem and all that. Cause that's always interesting yeah. and passport you, bro stories. You want to say hi to, you want to say hi to, to one of the girls, um, after you, after we sign off the live. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll kill the live feed and we'll uh, talk for a couple of minutes. So let me, uh, let me wrap it up. Thanks again for watching guys. Leave a comment below, like button algorithm, blah, blah, blah. Let's, uh, 